Revelation chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there if you would be. We're going to read it here in just a minute. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I really have been excited and blessed uh, studying uh, for these uh, lessons together. Uh, it's been exciting to, as you read these about these five churches, it's been interesting to read how that the people that come to Sunshine and our church in general, how that we parallel a lot what was being said in these five churches. It's interesting to me how, you know, sometimes we think everything is so very new, but not necessarily the case. Things just kind of recycle, don't they? And you'll find here in Revelation, we see that the case, that these churches, as God was dealing with these churches, it's just like he's dealing with us. And, and you've heard me say this before, I'd rather learn by experience, I mean by example, than by experience. You got me on that? I almost messed that up. I would rather, I'd rather you make the mistakes and tell me about it. You know, how'd that work out for you and all? And so that's, when I read the book of Revelation, read about these, in chapter 2 and 3, about these five churches, I get a chance to read about what's going on, what's happening, and some things that we need to be sensitive toward. Now, generally, at the end of the message, I, I kind of give you some challenges and some things to do, but I'm going to start the message by giving you some homework. You know, you need to, you've been lazing around enough around here, and it's time to get some homework done. Now, this is not in your outline. You'll have to write this down, but it's something for you to work on this week, you know, and I, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Now, <clears throat> would you not agree with me that there are more non-Christians than Christians in Port Charlotte? Would you, would you, could you accept that? There's more non-Christians than Christians in Port Charlotte, and the prevailing secular culture seems to be growing and growing every day. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you watch any TV, if you're in, in, involved with any type of communication, uh, I'm sure you've done the same things I've done. I can't believe they're putting that on TV. What is that all about? Just, he said, it certainly, have you said this? It surely can't get any worse. Have you said that one? Yeah, okay. So here's your assignment. You can write this down. It's not real long. You have a little space there in your outline at the bottom of it. In what ways... Is it getting harder to live for Jesus faithfully? I want you to think about that this week and work on that. In what ways is it getting harder to live for Jesus faithfully? Talking about our culture, talking about the non-Christians. And here's the real deal. We, we're living in a society that, as a believer, we're becoming more and more a minority. You understand that, don't you? And because that's happening, it's very easy for us to kind of feel powerless and I I think it's exactly what was going on this church in Philadelphia uh, they had gotten to a place because of the onslaught of the secular society and and all the things that were happening it's, it's very easy to kind of feel like you don't really matter I mean just not very significant and so I think that's what was happening here in this particular chapter you have your Bibles let's turn to chapter 3 let's look at verse uh, see verse 7 you ready and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, and he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, and he that openeth, no man shutteth, shutteth, no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hath kept my word, and hath not denied my faith. <laughs> when I read that, you know, it's one thing to have a little strength. It's another thing for folks to point it out. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to be bald. All right. <laughs> Just thought you might want to write that down somewhere. But it's another reason for folks to point it out. Verse number 9. 
Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. That's the folks that point out the baldness. Uh, <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Uh, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before the feet to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold thou that fast which thou hast, and no man take thy crown. He that Him that overcome will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven uh, from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We, man, Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, Father, uh, that you, you kind of, taking back the curtain a little bit and kind of showing us some things and and trying to be a help and a strength in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you so much for that. I, I pray that this morning, that you know the folks that are here this morning. There may be some folks here that really don't know you as personal Savior. They're, they're kind of seeking. They're kind of wondering what this God thing's all about. And I, and I pray that this morning will be the day that the Spirit of God will speak to their hearts. And I, I'm certainly convinced there's folks that have walked in this building this morning that are carrying heavy loads. And I pray, God, that you'll just, uh, may your spirit just speak to us. May we walk out of here this morning different than we walked in. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As you look here in this particular portion of Scripture, again, it's important to understand uh, who's speaking here. Uh, we know it's the Lord uh, talking, so it's important for us to understand that. He's talking to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia was the church that was, uh, or sorry, Philadelphia was the city that had started 150 years before Jesus. And it was a city that uh, there were two brothers in there, and uh, they had really cared for each other. They had love for each other. And so the city got its name based on brother love, which is the two Greek words bringing up the city of Philadelphia. And uh, so that's how the city got its name. Uh, it's important to understand that what was going on here, the city was there to influence people about the Greek culture. I mean, the city was a kind of a crossroads. You see, Alexander the Great, his desire was for everyone to be Greek. And so, therefore, he accomplished that, tried to accomplish that by placing different cities in strategic places. And so the whole world would be Greek. You ever see that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You remember in that, in that, in that, that grandpa was trying to teach the granddaughter and her friends that everything come about because of the Greeks. Well, Alexander the Great would have been the very same kind of person. He wanted the whole world to be Greek, and so what he did, he planned these particular cities in, in very strategic areas, crossroad areas, so folks would get exposed to the Greek, uh, Greek understanding and the Greek way. Now, this church here in Philadelphia faced a lot of opposition. Uh, they, what was painful here is they faced opposition from other Christians that thought they were, they were like the elite Christians. You get you around folks that that you know, you know that they, they call themselves Christians, but they really think they're a little better than you. I mean, you, you're a Christian, but you don't have it all like they've got it. Well, that's the kind of situation they were facing. They, these guys were there, and they were belittling this church and belittling these people because they didn't have everything they had, and so therefore they were being made fun of. And so what a very difficult time for this ministry. I don't know if you've ever been mocked before, made fun of. 
Uh, it's, I don't care even if you're doing it for righteousness' sake. It's not a pleasant thing to happen. And so this was going on in a church in Philadelphia. They were facing all this. Kind of gives us an understanding of uh, what's happening, what God is doing here, what Jesus, who is the one doing the speaking, is talking about him. He said this. Look at verse 7 again. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, no man shutteth, shutteth, no man openeth. What we see here as we read this scripture, we realize that the Lord has kind of given him some, some, a little bit of introduction to who he is. Uh, this church was a, going through a very difficult time. Uh, they felt powerless. They didn't feel like they were a part of anything. And so it was a very difficult situation. And basically what he was saying to this church, you can trust me. I am holy, which means incorruptible and flawless. He had, I'm also true, which means genu he is genuine. What he was telling this church, I am the real deal. And we need that today. I am the real deal. I, you know, I'm the one that can, can, your hope can be placed in me. What I say is what I'll do. Don't you like that? What he says he will say, do, he will do. And so this is who we're talking about here. This is, this is Jesus as he's talking to this church that felt so powerless and had so many doubts and things this nature. And he was telling them, hey, you can trust me. You can count on me. But here's my question. Why was he saying that? Why was he going in such detail about his background, about his character, about what he would do? Why was he doing that? Why, I mean, these folks he was talking to were Christians. These were believers. These were folks that had, had their hope based on him. These were people that, that certainly went to him for answered prayer, went for him for, for whatever difficulty they might have in life. These were the people he was talking to. It's almost like this, and you know, he, why are you preaching to the choir? Why are you preaching to folks that are, why are you preaching to the Wednesday night crowd? Oh, they're pretty messed up, so that wouldn't be the right crowd. <laughs> no, think about that. That's not a good illustration. But anyway, whoever the good folks are that follow you and love you, why, why are you being so, so demonstrative? Why are you being so descriptive about who you are and what you can do? I can tell you why. And, and as I was thinking about it, you know, my thought was, are you being redundant? Then God kind of gave me some insights. And insight number one was this. Jesus brings comfort in fresh doses. You see, there are times in every believer's life when we need a good dose of trust and comfort from Jesus. You know what happens is that we, as believers, we have, have peaks and valleys, don't we? Sometimes things work for us, and sometimes things don't. I, I like to be able to tell you that I never have any problems. I like to be able to tell you that my, my, that my marriage is perfect. And I would be telling the truth. Is she still here? Oh, yeah. My marriage is perfect. That's quite a bit which service you were going to be at. <laughs> I was changing that message down a little bit now. But, uh, but the case is that's not the case. We, 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 all have, we all have battles. We all have difficulties. You may have walked in this morning with a lot of doubt in your mind. You may have come in this morning and you're struggling. You're not at a peak. You're at a valley. You're not really sure. Uh, maybe these things of God are not really working for you right now, and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to figure it out. And so uh, one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus took the time to, to talk to this Philadelphia church because they were going through some very difficult times, and they were feeling disenfranchised. They were feeling dispowered, if you will. And so therefore, he was explaining to them who he was and who, what he could do. You know, sometimes we forget that, don't we? We really think, 
You, we really think America, with whatever, however you're going to vote, and you better be voting, however you do vote, we think that's going to solve all our problems. Are you crazy? Only Jesus. And we, we don't need, what did I heard someone say? We don't need the elephant or the donkey. We need the lamb. <laughs> we need the lamb. See? And so these folks were going through a very difficult time, and they were feeling insignificant. They were feeling overlooked, and you may have walked in this morning, and you're kind of, it's everything you can do to get here this morning. And it's everything you can do to put on your fake smile. You know, everything's fine. Everything. Who was it? Uh, <laughs> Bill, where is he? I asked Bill how he was doing today. Bill said, I'm doing fine. He said, are you lying to me again? He said, yes, I am. <laughs> so I, I, that was cool. And I think that's the kind of situation there. You know, you may have walked in this morning, and, I, and, I, and as we're going through the book of Revelation, I know we're departing a little bit, but, but this is such, such rich stuff that I, I knew we needed to have it this morning because maybe you've walked in this morning and you're feeling kind of disconnected, kind of empty. <laughs> and you're wondering, what do I need? need a fresh dose of Jesus is what you need. You need to realize that this is what he was doing to these folks here in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, he wanted them to understand that, that he loved them, that even though maybe some folks were overlooking him, he wasn't overlooking them. And he wanted them to understand that, that certainly I'm still trustworthy. Uh, I'm holy. Uh, I'm the Lord. You can count on me. You can count on me. Boy, in this shaky world we're living in, you need to find somewhere, someone you can count on. You can count on him. So he was saying that to him. And that, insight number two, because he made this statement after he talked about all these different things. He said, hey, you know, he, he, he said, you know, I, I know thy works. Verse 8, I know thy works. He talked about them. I know thy works. And one of the things you need to be realized that Jesus has total knowledge. You remember in the last few weeks we were studying the, the last five churches in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3. If there's one thing you saw consistent, and every time he addressed one of those churches, he said this, I know all about you. I know what you're facing. I see what you're doing. I know where you're living. I, I know your need. I know your deeds. I know everything about you. It's not like those five churches had to call up to heaven and get God's voicemail. Wouldn't that be something? You know, and to leave a message to better inform God on what they were going through. Uh, they, they didn't have to inform God on what they were facing. May I say this to you this morning? You may think you're the only one facing whatever you're facing and, and whatever you're going through. And you may think that folks don't understand, folks don't care. And in some extent, that may be the case. But it's not true with Jesus. It's not true. He does understand. He does care. I was thinking, you know, sometimes I depart on some of these things. But I was thinking, what would it be like if Jesus had a voicemail? And that's how we had to, have you called the water company lately? Yeah, okay. You're important to us. <laughs> have you heard that one? You know, I'm going, you know, I'll tell what I'm doing. But, uh, but, but just think about this thing that if, if, we, if we called God, talked, got a hold of God in prayer, and we got a voicemail, and imagine if it said this, thank you for calling my father's house. Please select one of the following options. <laughs> Press one for general request. Press 2 for thanksgiving. Press 3 for complaints. Press 4 for healing. Press 5 for help with the IRS. Just throw that one in. 
<laughs> Not there yet. We're getting there. Press six for rain. Press seven just to say hi. Press eight for hired questions. Press nine for all the inquiries. And press zero if you want to hear this all again. And what if God used that familiar excuse? I'm sorry. All the angels are helping other customers right now. <laughs> please, and you hit, please stay on the line. Your call is important to us. And we'll answer it in order as it was received. Now, can't you imagine you called God and you got the voicemail and he said this. If you'd like to hear King David sing a psalm while you're holding, press 5-5. Five, five, and then wait for the beat. In order to find out if a loved one is in heaven, press 7-7. Seven, seven. For a reservation in one of the many mansions, press J-O-H-N, then 316. For Lucifer, press 666, and your call will be forwarded. <laughs> or more sobering, this one. The office is closed. <laughs> call back on Monday. And don't call Sunday, it's the day of rest. Now, here's, here's, guys, the truth is, Jesus knows before we call, amen? He's aware of what's going on in our life. He is constantly aware of what's happening here. In fact, he makes a statement, I know, I know. Verse 8 says, I know thy works, behold, which means uh, to look or, or to behold. He, he says, says several times, he says, I, I see the things you've done. Now, I want you to see the things I've done. Verse 8 says, I have set before thee an open door. This is a cool scripture. I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast, strength, hast little strength, and hast kept my word, hast not denied my name. What a tremendous amount of information is going on here. You know, when I read that particular scripture, I thought this. What's all this shutting and opening about? You know, what, what's he talking about? This shutting of the doors, opening the doors, all that kind of stuff. Well, verse 7 again says, These things saith he that is holy, true, hath the keys of David. He opens, no man shutteth, shutteth, no man openeth. Really understand that. I'm not going to read it to you this morning, but you want to write down Isaiah 22. It gives you a little bit of a history of what's going on here. Uh, what's happening here in Isaiah 22, it kind of gives you some insight here in Revelation. Uh, it's talking about this Revelation. I mean, uh, Isaiah 22 is talking about this king who um, had this particular servant, and he took the servant. And he gave them keys to the palace. Uh, these keys were called the keys of David. Uh, this servant had the keys, which meant he had complete authority. And this is what he's trying to help us to see, that Jesus has complete authority. And it's important that we understand that. And he goes on, and he says, Jesus here describes himself as the holder of the keys. This is cool. He opens the way for this church, something they couldn't do. He could do for them. Uh, Jesus said this church uh, had little power, but I think it's important to understand uh, God had something in mind for them. Now, I don't know what the church in Philadelphia, what it was called. Uh, you know, churches, you know, uh, churches today have all kinds of names. Have you noticed that the names that different churches have today? Have you all ever been to Kentucky? Yes. I, have a, I had an uncle, Uncle Roy. Uh, he was a, he was a preacher in Kentucky, and we uh, one of the last churches he preached to was called Dripping Springs Baptist Church. <laughs> but also, I looked at there was churches like Little Hope Baptist, that's a good one, uh, Little Muddy River, Little Flock Baptist. You know, and I, I as I think about these different names, the churches have to give themselves. And today they're even they're even more interesting today. 
but I just kind of see that, you know, that church there in Philadelphia and their little sign hanging out beside their church, and probably said, Little Power Church, because they had little power. It doesn't mean they were not effective. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they certainly had a, had a, had, had, didn't have much strength on their own. And so, you know, we need to remember and understand that, you know, sometimes when we, as, as I think as sunshine, as I, I see what's happening here in Port Charlotte, and I, and, and, and I think we say this every election, I can't believe what it's like. This election, like no other election, is going to be so determining on what our future will be, and, and some of that is certainly the case. And, uh, but when we see all that stuff going on, it's easy as a ministry to kind of feel very insignificant and to be, to be very powerless compared to the non-Christians that are in our area and all. But I think what's important to see in context here, he says, I've done for you because they were powerless. I've done, and maybe you're here this morning, and you're feeling powerless. Maybe you're having difficulty with the kids, the grandkids, your personal life. As you look at our country, it seems so powerless. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's where you are. You've come this morning. But he said, but I have done for you what you cannot do. I have opened the door. I think it's important to understand what he's talking about here. That he's made it available for us to have access to God. And Jesus describes himself as the door. And through Christ, uh, the individual members and congregation there in Philadelphia, they were connected with God. Which brings us to the last insight, if you will. And this is so important. Get this. Jesus Christ can in, increase influence and give opportunity wherever he wants. In other words, I believe that Jesus Christ is sovereign. And I believe he's in control. And I think it's important for us to understand that and for us to see that, that he can elevate, highlight, empower, utilize, bless, he can produce effectiveness wherever he wants to, and that's great. That's great. He, he can do whatever he wants to do. He is a sovereign God, and that's good news for us. We need to understand how, how a blessing that is, what it means. Regardless of the culture, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the increase in Christian uh, sentiment, God can do things through you and through us as a church that are unstoppable. You need to get a hold of that. God can do through you and this church things that are unstoppable. That's what he can do. He said, I'm the one who holds the keys to your future. I'm the one who can open the right door and shut the wrong door. I'm the one that can open new opportunities and new beginnings. And I can close the doors on things that need closing, like old chapters in your life or old memories or old hurts or old happens. The church of Philadelphia and our church today is challenged to have the right perspective when it comes to what God is doing in this age. It's a great time to be alive. It's exciting to be living at this time. To realize that we're living in a time of that, that God can make a way. When things seem so dark and seem so bleak and we, we seem so discouraged about what's going on, God is saying, come on, buckle up. Things are getting ready to happen. You know, we, we want God to do stuff, but what we mean by that, we want God to do stuff the way we want God to do it. 
You know what God said? It's the Spanish. No way, Jose. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I, 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 I'm not much on living in down in the dumps all the time. How in the world can I live in the dumps when I'm serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Come on. Come on, guys. We're serving God. He's got this thing handled. You know, we, we think we got this thing figured out. You know, I, I've been doing this stuff for over 50 years. You know what I figured out? I ain't got it figured out. You know what? I'm looking for God to do something, guys. I can make a way, he says. Verse 8 says, For thou hast little strength and kept my word and hast not denied my name, uh, even though they seem powerless. He wants them to understand that yeah, even though they were powerless, they were strong. Oh, it's a paradox there. Because their strength was not in their gifts and their abilities and their talents. Their strength was in Jesus Christ. He had already conquered. He said about this church, you're loyal to me. What a, what a neat theme. This is, what, what a wonderful testament. You're loyal. You've kept my word. You've not denied my, my name. The door is open to you. And he expressed his loyalty to them. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, and try them that dwell upon the earth. He was expressed. <laughs> it's pretty good here now. Not only is he saying, I want to tell you, you guys don't have a lot of strength, but you know, you've, you've been faithful. You've kept my word. He said, I want you to know this. I will be loyal to you. Amen? That's what you need this morning. Say, well, what do we need in our country? We need Jesus in our country is what we need. But what we really need is those that call themselves Jesus, start, um, that love the Lord, start standing up for him. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. One thing you'll find about our ministry, we're looking for ways to do, you know, you heard Pastor Hardy stand up here and talk about uh, uh, the Halloween thing coming up, and you know we generally do a Halloween thing, and for the kids to come and all kinds of stuff. No, I'm nothing wrong with that. A lot of ministries are doing it, but we're coming out of it. The reason we are, we want to go into a thousand homes and taking the gospel. We're going to take Halloween turned around. Why not get the word of God out? Say, well, I look at this as you know. I think of the things that uh, our, our little church over here and the things that we do and how God, uh, you know not numerically speaking, but, you know, in the area of influence. And I think uh, this ministry, how that God has allowed us, we're, we're ministering to places that say sh we shouldn't be there. How can we be there? Because Jesus has opened the door, and we are walking through. Now, some of you are going kicking and screaming, <laughs> but, but we going through it, you know. I only have about an hour left, and I'll be done. I'm just winding up. So how does it apply to us? Well, here's the thing, guys. You may have walked. There's been times in my life, and I know you may have walked this way, where I felt, I felt really powerless. I couldn't hardly get out of bed. Didn't know what I was going to do about my family. This track that we're on here at Sunshine, since January, it's been such an unbelievable thing that God has done. I, uh, I have felt, you know, we, we, really all, we always say, I really want God's hand on something. You listen to me. If you want God's hand on something, are you, are you listening? Take your hand off. 
And that's not easy to do. We're so controlled. But God said, if you'll take your hand off this, I'll put my hand on it. And that's what I want. Amen. That's what I want for my life. And that's what I want you for your life. Take your hand off of it. And let him put his hand on it. You say, what do I have to do? You must decrease, and he will increase. So you've walked in today, and you need a fresh dose. This is what this guy's need to hear. Well, let me give you a fresh dose. Jesus is the real deal. It works. You may have walked in here and feel like no one knows. You feel like you're spending your time calling the water company. And you're going to be, you're like, you've, if you've ever called them, they say, well, you're number 89. You know, and you, we will answer you never. And so, but enjoy the music. You may have walked in this morning and you feel like a mess. You just, you need someone to talk to. He says, call on me. Call me. I'll answer you. I'll show you things you don't know. I'll give you some direction you don't have. I'll give you some comfort that you need. Call me. Quit complaining. Quit griping. Quit bellyaching. Talk to him. He wants you to. He loves you. You may be here this morning. You're not getting what I'm saying. It's just not registering with you because you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, you, you, know, you know about God and you've been through the religious stuff and you've done all that. But there's no real joy or peace in there. I mean, you're empty, man. Well, this morning I challenge you. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, why don't you trust him? Why don't you receive him? The Bible says, says many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. And so I challenge you this morning. I guess my, my, the message, I have two, two, two word message. You ready? Don't quit. Don't quit. When you start quitting, there's no place to stop. There's just not. I don't know what you're going through, and I know you've been, you're, that's the direction you think you ought to go. Don't go. Don't quit. I'm just a mess. I got it. I don't know where to go. I tell you, since January, I've struggled, struggled, struggled. But two words have kept me going. Not gonna quit. Don't quit. So I challenge you this morning, Holy Spirit, if you're speaking to your heart, the right answer is whatever you want me to do. If there's something in my life not pleasing to you, I want to get it right with you. If I need to get right with someone else, I want to get that done. But God, but this morning, I want to walk out of here realizing that Jesus has opened the door. Take your hand. Let him take it off. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful and thankful for the book of Revelation.